upon their arrival was almost unspeakable. We are all involved in some form or another. I'm not guilty. The dead won't bother you. It's the living you gotta worry about. If I couldn't keep them there with me whole, I, at least I felt that I could keep uh, their skeletons. Welcome to the Bad Taste Crime Cast. I'm Vicki. I'm Janelle. The team is back again. Janelle's Tag back from her seat. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I think I'm pretty sure I've already made that oh, yeah. specific joke on another like one. Episode. And I tried really hard not to. I mean, I always want to. It's just is what comes to it's mind. It's natural. Yes. It's just so natural. <laughs> yeah. Well, welcome back. And if this is your first time listening, a special hello to you. Um, <laughs> Janelle is less sick than she was. I mean... Sure. Are you? Are you with us all the way? I'm never all the way with anything. <laughs> how was since we didn't hear from you last time? How was your Christmas and your New Year's? It was fun. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Did you and do anything interesting? Over, went to a concert with my boyfriend. Went saw Twin Peaks. It was hella amazing. Nice. Um. After I left the show, I realized that there was like a pound of confetti down my dress. <laughs> okay. When you get home, you take it off and it's like the party hasn't stopped yet. Oh, and we went to a hotel and I took my dress off and I'm like, oh, great. There is literally I mean, confetti the, all over the floor. On the plus side, you didn't have to do that at your house where you have to clean it up. That's right. They pay people at hotels. They to were clean probably it up really you. confused when they went into that room because there was confetti on the floor and then like we had pickles as well. What? <laughs> we had pickles. <laughs> like a jar of pickles? Like a little container. We went to a restaurant. Are they special and they had, pickles? They were Kool-Aid pickles. Kulicles. Okay. <laughs> it's, a southern, it's a southern delicacy. Is it? <laughs> it is, yeah. So what, do like, they Louisiana? just like soak pickles in Kool-Aid? Is yeah, that, they like, put really like a, a packet of Kool-Aid in the brining solution. It's like cherry, but then spicy, but then pickle? It's confusing. I don't understand the South. That's all you need to the know. South. <laughs> the there are some things in life that, like, I just don't understand. It's like and a staple in Louisiana. Things. They serve it with their barbecue. It's like you get a kulikle and some barbecue. <laughs> I guess. That's the thing. <laughs> I don't know. I like pickles and I would try it, but... It's a confusing flavor mashup in your mouth. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how I feel about it's this like flavor. It's like sweet, salty, hot. Ah, why is there Kool-Aid in so many, so many emotions lined yeah, up so with this Kool-Aid pickle. there's just all over the floor and Kool-Aid pickle. Oh, no. <laughs> like and that is, drugs. I always wonder, like, what people imagine happened in like the ho- whatever hotel room i'm staying at because it's it always just like nice, a random smattering of things it was a nice fucking hotel yeah where you said like, you guys stayed at the drake the right? drake yeah. yeah i was like pinkies out i'm going, pinkies there, I'm going out. extra miles. balls to the wall oh my god it's like a 1920s yeah. just beautiful fucking amazing hotel nice and then the breakfast the next morning it has uh, to you uh, know something that's uh, been around that long has to be haunted too of oh, course probably. most definitely of course oh i didn't even tell you we were in room 665 <gasps> Down a corridor by itself with room 666. Oh, my God. I was like, this is a mistake. And we started walking, and then it was like this giant arrow pointing into this, like, hallway. It looked like a closet. Okay. But I walked down this tiny hall. There's a door for the fire escape right in front of you. To my right is room 666, which was empty. And then we were in room 665. Do you think they put people in room 666? I mean, it's a room. I, I know. So. But I mean, like, do you think it's like there, but they don't actually like put anybody in there? I don't know. 
But it was mortifying, and then I opened the door, and the ro- the room was huge, and I was like, oh, it's bigger on the inside. <laughs> oh, no. And I was like, I get it. Yeah. A Doctor Who joke. Oh, my God. <laughs> Although, I'm, I'm trying to think of this and, like, imagining a horror movie oh, with the title very 665 is, like, not as threatening <laughs> as one that is called, like, 665. With a question mark and, like, a shoulder shrug emoji. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, but that was probably the best part, is I'm like this is this, wait is this a real hotel room <laughs> we just it's just like an elaborate ruse it's just like cardboard and you open the door to nothing <laughs> it's just one of those those doorways that lead to the outside yeah it was scary for yeah. a minute i was like oh god this is where we die this is i'm dead <laughs> but you're not so no. that's, no, I died that's later a plus that yeah later that week. yeah and I get the flu. <laughs> well, we've got a great show for you. We're back to our regular show after that great little blooper outtake <laughs> episode that Tiff did, which was hilarious. I don't. Oh I, then I listened to it. And was like, God, I am embarrassing. I'm so you're embarrassing. Yeah, you're embarrassing. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's why we get along because we're like equal parts embarrassing to ourselves. Maybe I don't know. Oh my god! But I'm just like, th- there's way too much of me on here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this isn't good. <laughs> but never fear, we're back with the regular episode. Um, back to regular old murder. Yes. <laughs> but first, let's head over to the newsroom. So... We have talked about on previous episodes of Kim Wall, who was a Swedish uh, journalist who was murdered by, uh, well, Peter Madsen is standing trial for it. Wackadoodle. He's still, yeah, they found her body dismembered in like a bay and he admitted to dismembering the body, but has not admitted to actually murdering her. He still is holding that it's an accident. It was an accident that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, For some reason, that sitting on the deck of the bay song just came into my head. Sitting on the deck. And then just like watching the tide wash this body away. Oh, God. Oh, I put lyrics into it. That's awful, Janelle. I do. I make things terrible. It's okay because I have a really great positive thing to follow that up with. (laughs) Um, So her family has actually paired with the International Women's Media Foundation. Um, and created the Kim Wall Memorial Fund. So beginning this year, one $5,000 reporting grant will be awarded annually to a female journalist whose reporting carries forward Kim's legacy. And I think um, that it's a very positive, again, we talk a lot about like people ending up in these terrible situations Mm -hmm. and kind of creating this more positive, lasting outcome. This is one of those things that I think is, is great. Um, because it's definitely gonna, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's going to propel female journalists forward, um, with the help of the International Women's Media Foundation. So that's cool. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. (laughs) Um, her parents did say we can never get Kim back, but we can see to it that her spirit will live on and inspire other young journalists to go out into the world and find the stories. Um, so that's cool. Hopefully, I just keep having really bad jokes in my head. It's because it's because we haven't recorded it I so know. long. It's and just, just all been building like, up inside of you. It just ended that with, but while keeping a cool head, and then it's just like that's not appropriate because she got her head chopped off. 
Oh no. <laughs> and oh, we're no. back to business. And the darkest humor. <laughs> you know what happens when you have the flu? You go to a dark, dark place. We'll just blame all of this on and you being like there. delusional <laughs> from oh, yeah. I'm a flu constant and fever medicine. dream. Yeah. Your whole life is just one giant just fever, fever dream. dream. Just sweaty and confused. <laughs> Um, the other big piece of news that we have comes from somewhere kind of close to us. Comes from Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. We're just keep pinpointing our location yeah. more and more with each other. Well, everybody knows we're in like northern Illinois, and we haven't been murdered yet, so that's cool. So, hey, you know what? Try There's a lot of places me. in North Illinois. Try catch me. Yeah, they haven't caught me yet. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, that we did a whole episode do that. on local haunts. That's true. So, like, like how we're screwed. How I mean, <laughs> yes. Um, so, a man named Gerald Turner, who is also known as the Halloween Killer, um, is set to be released on February 1st. It's a mandatory release. Um, he, he was convicted of killing nine-year-old Lisa Ann French. Um, in 1973, and I believe it was on Halloween, obviously. Yeah, I want to yeah. say that this story had something to do with the Halloween movies. Oh, um, like as an inspiration for? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If I remember correctly. Okay, that's fucking crazy. Yeah. yeah. That's... Just look at the guys. It's like, <laughs> Yeah, he, well, I mean. And it's Wisconsin, know. which is like the, one of the top five murdery states. Is that is that an actual statistic? That's a Janelle statistic. Yeah, yeah it actually is, though. From the Department of Murdery Statistics? <laughs> yes. <laughs> the Ministry of Murdery. The Ministry of Murdery? <laughs> Sounds like something they would have in the Harry Potter world. That's exactly why I said it. It's not like your uh, computer isn't murdery. propped up on what the Goblet of Fire? Is that what it is? I don't yes, know. Hold it on. Is. is it? Yes. Oh, yeah. The binding's out. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's only so I can see my notes. I know. Thanks, Fine. Harry Potter. <laughs> J.K. Rowling. J.K. Rowling. Rowling. <laughs> no, not Rolfing. Okay, anyway. Oh, I digress. No. <laughs> yes. So, obviously, this is something that people up there are not super thrilled about. Yeah, I would say not. <laughs> yeah. Um, they've talked about that other, like, when he gets out, he has to register as a sex offender, but other right. than that, he isn't going to have any, like, extended supervision or parole or probation. Did they say how long he was in jail for? Um, was 19... 1973 okay. well, was, was when time. he was charged with the murder. Yeah. But as a child, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, why aren't you at life in prison there is this um it looks like the people of Fond du Lac County are trying to see um if he can be admitted to an institution um deemed a sexually violent person Mm -hmm. um so rather than spending his remaining years on the outside world he would be in some sort of uh mental institution Right. Yeah. If I mean, if he sits with a psychologist and they deem him like most definitely going to offend again. Right. Then I could be like, yeah. Well, and it looks to me like the family of Lisa Ann French is still in the area of Fond du Lac, too. So like nobody wants the man who murdered their daughter to get out of prison. And like the family now has to like go through this whole thing, which I get, you know, it's like kind of tricky. So Mm -hmm. anyway. That was that was one Janelle found. Um, that's like kind of fucking crazy. Yeah, it came up and I was like, "Ew, Ew. nobody wants a murderer to be set free." But then again, it was like the seventies, and you know how 
it went back then. It's like, yes. oh, you killed someone? Uh, 15 years. Basically, basically how it good. went is that it didn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so let's move on to Netflix and Kill. I just want to let you know, Vicky, that like that's becoming like a thing on Twitter. I, know, I just <laughs> wanted to let you I know. I literally, <laughs> I said this to you the other day. I've literally never been like a trendsetter in my entire life. So this is times they are a changing. <laughs> I guess I don't know. I don't know who I am anymore. Really, the this fact is that people are my quoting entire... us on Twitter. <laughs> crazy and there's someone who also quoted like the keys kill whatever that list that those girls wrote on their oh, arm yeah yeah keys kill something or other <laughs> i'd have to look but yeah that but, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. we're a thing now so slowly <laughs> that's cool yeah. yes this week this week on next net but i cannot talk now it's all over <laughs> we've killed it yeah right <laughs> This week, I like how there's a rewind, but do you know how many kids like know what a rewind sound is? No, they don't. I know. No one's rewinding shit anymore. No. I mean, you could try to. I'm, if you try to rewind like your CDs or something, it's just gonna be like a record scratch. Wicka wicka. I wish. That just like I think about that sometimes, like the noise of a rewind or like the people just the don't know symbol what it is. of like a phone being picked up on your phone like kids don't know what a landline is they don't know what that is like the what's a receiver a kid said what's a receiver i was like i'm not oh, even no. that old <laughs> i mean anyway now that, that i went could, on my that I'm could old be rant. up for debate i mean <laughs> considered a millennial sign totally still good still good um yeah so netflix and kill (laughs) we're talking about the podcast yeah that's right we're recording a podcast right now oh that's what's happening i I was wondering why there is this giant mic in my face (laughs) um okay this week on Netflix and Kill, we are talking about Wormwood, mm-hmm. which is I love it. We actually we started talking about it. We st- yeah, we <laughs> started break. talking about it before we were recording, and I had to be like, hold up, we need to save I just this. Get too excited, yes. and you really can't shut me up. I'm excited. <laughs> so the plot is in 1953, an army scientist named Frank Olson takes a fatal plunge from a hotel window, and then in 1975, a bombshell report ties his death to a top secret experiment. That report, um, (laughs) this is, so it's this interesting mix of, like, a documentary and a, like, nonfiction. Yeah, um, I mean, it's. What do you call it? Like it's a, like a reenactment, yeah, but yeah, not a shitty ID channel reenactment, right? Yeah, <laughs> like it has real actors that you'll recognize. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it had that. The one that I was really surprised to see show up was the guy who was in Oh Brother Where Art Thou. I forget what his oh, name yeah. is. Oh yeah, he was one of the other like scientists. Yeah. So basically, this has to do with MK Ultra, and for those of you who are very into like the conspiracy theories, you will know the ding, 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 me. <laughs> program of MK Ultra. The general idea is that they were secretly dosing um, CIA agents with LSD <sighs> to essentially study the effects and try to use it for mind control. Right. Was the ultimate end goal. And I mean, there's a lot of research, too, about 
it helping people with like um, mental issues and mm-hmm. things like that, which I believe like if you microdose something, right? Yeah, it's also been linked to be like beneficial. creativity yeah. and being more productive in the but workplace. They were doing some weird shit. Oh yeah, were, I don't know if you got to this part. Yet. I know you said you didn't finish it, right? But there was a part where they were doing the reenactment and they gave him a very, very, very small dose yeah. of LSD and. They put him essentially in a sensory deprivation like tent over his head. Really? And was like talking to him and giving him prompts. That's crazy. And I was just like, I felt claustrophobic watching it. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, I haven't hit that part yet, but um, the idea in this, inve- it's like an investigative documentary and it's done by his son who yes. is still trying to kind of find out what happened mm-hmm. um, when this report was released in 1975, it was in conjunction with um, there was a, it was like a major, the report itself was a major report. So this Rockefeller commission report comes out and it contains information about MK ultra this entire time. The family has thought his father accidentally fell out of a hotel window only to find out that he possibly could have jumped out of a hotel window after being under the unknowingly under the influence of LSD. And it sounded like his father was already kind of like a very gentle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sensitive man. Yeah. And I know that there's a small percentage of the population who has really, really adversive reactions to taking psychedelic drugs. So mm-hmm. he's probably part of that small fraction of people who, like, literally, they cannot handle it. Right. Even though they were giving him absolutely micro doses. Right. And think about this, too. Um, if this was happening in the 50s, this was before this kind of, like, drug culture happened where people were experimenting with it in you know public life nobody really knew what these kinds of drugs were capable of at the time so yeah it's oh the government kind of did (laughs) well yeah which is probably why they're like oh maybe we should uh maybe not let that yeah exist (laughs) so anyway check it out um really good i thought it was really well done it's this nice blend of acting and documentary film style worth a look the other thing that we want to talk about is called captive yeah i was like um we just had the name i know i closed the tab hold on a second i haven't reopened it it. shocker i know (laughs) um so the series is a i believe six part um each episode is a different story of a hostage situation. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, they're, they're, they span different countries and different time periods. The first episode talks about a prison riot that happened in 93 in Ohio. Um, there is an episode about a couple being held in, um, I want to say in Somalia. They get, their yacht gets uh, boarded and, and stolen and they get hold, oh, held in Somalia. Yeah. Um, there was the kidnappings in Brazil. I, so, I mean, it's like, it, it spans a, a lot of different areas. It's very interesting. These people telling their stories of being held hostages, um, sometimes mm. for long amounts of time, like that Ohio prison riot was three days, I believe. Oh, I'm sorry, 10 days. But then compared to being held hostage for like 10 years right. in another country. So check it out. Ooh. 
hit, <laughs> hit, I'm hitting stuff. She took she took the springs off so that if I hit it, it wouldn't make noise, and I don't think it's gonna matter. Um, <laughs> check it out. It's Stop not being so expressive. I know it's not something that came out recently, but I am actually really surprised. We were talking about this. I'm surprised we haven't talked about it yet because yeah, I was all about this when it. I get dropped. I get really weirded out by hostage situation stories. Yeah. So much so that I think that I don't like to watch or read about it, Mm -hmm. which is funny because I actually just watched uh, Cheshire Murders on HBO yesterday. And I don't know if you remember that. Vaguely. Um, This family got held captive in their home by these two random dudes that followed them home from the grocery store. Yeah, and did it end up? They started the house on fire, right? That one. Okay. Yeah. Um, and somehow the father survived, even though he had like two inch deep gashes in the back of his head. Yeah. Um, but that started out as a hostage situation, Mm -hmm. which turned horribly wrong. Yeah, and the the guys that were holding the hostage were like two former, um. They were both formerly in prison, mm-hmm. but they were For kind petty of theft. And right. Like they that. were kind of like your your average Joes. I mean, they weren't yeah. like. I mean, they delved really deep into yeah. the one guy um, saying that he was like a pedophile. And that's why he right. followed that 11 year old girl and his yeah. mother. So it just gets a little confusing because they started blaming each other. Yeah. And then, you, you know, at what point do you. What's the truth, you know? Right. And the one right. guy tried to kill himself. The other guy was like, I don't deserve, you know, to be in jail. So it was just... Yeah. It's a messed up story. But if you have HBO, I would definitely recommend going and watching it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and if you needed anything to binge, that should... All three of those should make your yeah, list, yes. I think. Yeah, absolutely. I did a lot of binging, so... <laughs> All right, let's jump into the episode this week. <laughs> we were actually doing a listener suggestion. This was suggestion. Let's try that again. <laughs> this was suggestion. <laughs> You're channeling your inner like Jim Carrey. Uh, I just I'm <laughs> having such a hard time. This was suggested by George E. It's because we didn't do our vocal warm-ups. I think that's really (laughs) what it is. Um, And he suggested that we look at some mysterious missing person cases. And I think these these tend to really like captivate people because they are unsolved. I mean, if you're talking about disappearances, they're generally still disappearances because they're Still, Still disappeared. <laughs> yeah. Which, is that a real term, being what? disappeared? I mean, I've heard it I hear used. people say when yeah. she was disappeared, and it but kind of drives me a little nuts. But I think that's in terms of, like, someone who's purposefully, like, having their identity yeah. taken away. Part of me just wishes they would say when they went missing. And it, because that just makes more sense. It doesn't sound as harsh on my ears as disappeared. <laughs> like she disappeared. Done, <laughs> she got disappeared. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so we're going to be talking about some mysterious disappearances. I don't think I have any content warning. Normally, this is that part of the show where we say um, content may not be appropriate for all listeners, but... Yeah, I don't either. Yeah. Um, mine, But mine's going to be... I'm, I think I'm going to use my newsy voice, so prepare yourself. Oh, boy. Oh, my. This is a purposeful newsy voice, not a because Janelle is nervous newsy voice. <laughs> no. Because <laughs> my all right. story is news worthy. 
Do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? It doesn't matter. Okay. Mine's not that long. I don't think mine is either. So well, I'll just jump into it. Okay. <laughs> so ju- I also want to start off. I told AJ and Tiff this when I got here today that um, <laughs> I haven't looked, actually looked at my notes, I think, since I finished them like a couple weeks ago. <laughs> so let's see how this goes. All right. Cool, cool, cool. So so I'm going to be talking about Brandon Lawson, who was a 26-year-old man who lived in San Angelo, Texas, and he worked as an oil field worker. He lived with his girlfriend slash common-law wife, Ladessa Lofton. And I say that because sometimes they were referred to as boyfriend-girlfriend. Sometimes they were referred to as common-law married. If I switch between girlfriend and wife, just know it's it's not a conscious thing. It's just probably how my notes are written. The two had been together for over 10 years. And a lot of times I saw them described as high school sweethearts. And they also had four children together. Okay. So just, you know, kind of your average family, hardworking guy um, working in the oil fields. So I kind of set this up in um, kind of what we know and some extra things and then kind of theories about the case. Okay. okay. Um, because Brandon Lawson is still missing. Right. So what we know for sure is on the night of August 8th, 2013, Brandon and Ladessa got into an argument and Brandon, deciding that he like needed a moment to kind of cool down, left to head over to his father's house at approximately 11.53 p.m. About 45 minutes later, he called his brother Kyle to tell him that he had run out of gas on Highway 277 in Bronte, Texas. I'm not expecting you guys to remember all of these places. And what I'll probably do is <laughs> post a... There's some like... Um, Timeline sort of thing. Well, there's some missing posters that actually have like maps of the areas. So oh, wow. I'll probably put one of those up on our website and uh, Facebook as well. So if you're listening along and you want to kind of get an idea, you can take a look at those. Um, so Kyle and Kyle's girlfriend, Audrey, grabbed a gas can and they left to go find Brandon so that the three of them could go to the nearest gas station and get gas. Mm-hmm. Um, the deal was, is that Kyle had, I had seen this too, Kyle called Ladessa to say that Brandon had run out of gas. Um, she said she was going to give them a gas can to go get gas, but Kyle's check wasn't going to clear until midnight. He had mm-hmm. just gotten paid and wasn't going to clear. So that's why they were going to get him to go to the gas station to get right. gas and then come back. Um, so they go off to go find Brandon. Then around 12 minutes after um, Kyle and Brandon had gotten off the phone, Brandon makes a 911 call um, that has, to say the least, been uh, like one of the more interesting things in this case. Starting to sure. get like a finding Maura Murray feel yes. for this story. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a lot of really strange things that happen in this case, for sure. Um, I'm going to play the call for you now, and we're going to talk about it afterwards. Mm-hmm. It seems that Brandon was actually in an area where like the cell reception wasn't too great. So as a result, the call itself is like sometimes garbled. Mm-hmm. Um I also want to point out that they are in Texas and he's got a very thick, thick Southern accent. <laughs> so like for me as somebody from the Midwest, it, it was like a little hard to, to pick out everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that I did read some stuff interesting later on. There's actually a, um, like a 
Brandon Lawson website mm-hmm. where somebody from Texas had commented, made this whole long post about the 911 call and kind of as somebody who is Southern who can pick out those accent things right um what she was hearing so that was kind of interesting anyway just know all of that um (laughs) i'm also we're talking about it afterwards because i don't want to provide any like confirmation bias Mm -hmm. um as to what you can hear so take a listen think about what you're hearing and then we will talk about it afterwards okay 2013 Zero, fifty, and thirty-eight seconds. Nine-one-one emergency. Yeah, I'm in the middle of the field. It's like we're just pushing guys over. Right here going towards that wind on both sides. My truck ran out of gas. There's one car here. I checked it to the woods. Three parties. Okay, now run that by me. We're not talking to him. Hi, so you ran into him. Ah, you ran into him. Okay. That's the first guy. You need an ambulance? Yes, no, I need to call. Okay. Is anybody hurt? Hello? 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 Nine, two thousand thirteen. Zero, fifty, and thirty-eight seconds. No one emergency. Yes, I'm in the middle of the field. It's like we're just pushing guys over. Right here going towards that wind on both sides. My truck ran out of gas. There's one car here. I checked it to the woods. Please hurry. Okay, now run that by me. We're not talking to him. Hi, so you ran into him. Ah, you ran into him. Okay. That's the first guy. You need an ambulance? Yes, no, I need to call. Okay. Is anybody hurt? So that was the 911 call. Um, you definitely hear the Southern accent in there, right. right? I mean, I can understand what he's saying. It's just, it starts to get echoey. Yeah. And cut out a little bit, and then you're missing words. Um, yeah. But you could definitely tell that he kind of gave them a location, said that he ran out of gas, he's on the side of the road. Yeah. And that he needed the police. So I'm going to read a transcript of this really quick. And there are going to be parts that are kind of like... um, I, I kind of put together the best transcript of what I could see being said. Because there are some parts that as far as the transcript goes, has been have been written down as like inaudible or you can't understand. So um, so the dispatcher says 911 emergency. Brandon says, yes, I'm in the middle of a field. And then this is one of the parts he says, so they put a scaper, but somebody point out that it kind of sounded like he said, or a state trooper, um, just pushing or pulling. That's another mm-hmm. part. Guys over right there going towards Abilene on both sides. My truck ran out of gas. There's one car here. Inaudible. Got chased through the woods. Please hurry. The dispatcher says, okay, now run that by me. Brandon says something inaudible. We're not talking to him. Something inaudible ran into him. 
the dispatcher says, ah, you ran into them? Okay. Brandon says, something inaudible, just the first guy. The dispatcher says, do you need an ambulance? Brandon says, yeah, no, I need the cops. Then the dispatcher says, is anyone hurt? Hello, hello, hello. And that was the end of the call. Mm -hmm. So you can go back and listen to it again. I'm not going to play it again on the um, show. But um, again, these transcripts are something that are still kind of like in contention a little bit today. You, there are parts that you just really can't like make out what he's saying. Mm -hmm. And people have pointed out that it kind of sounded like he might have been running or, you know, there was like other people there. We'll talk about that when we get to theories. Okay. So following this, another 911 call was placed by a passing motorist. Um, some places said like a trucker, some places said like a motorcyclist. Um, Either way, he called 911 about Brandon's truck being parked on the highway in a way that kind of like posed a risk to passing cars. It was kind of sticking out into the highway. Um, Kyle, Brandon's brother and his girlfriend, Aubrey, arrived at the vehicle at 1.10 a.m. as well as a sheriff's deputy responding to the hazardous car car in the road. Brandon, however, at this point was nowhere to be found. Um, He wasn't around the car. The car itself had no visible signs of damage, and his keys and cell phone were missing. It seems that by this point in time, neither Kyle nor the officer that arrived uh, for the vehicle parked on the side of the road knew that Brandon had called 911 and asked for a police officer to come by. So uh, Kyle and Aubrey were just going to take gas, and the sheriff arrived uh, from the call from the motorist saying that there was this car in the road. Nobody knew that he had already called 911 to say that he needed help. Okay. While Which they, is weird. Right. That the dispatcher, I mean, when they come up on a car like that, they give their location. Right. Um, and if someone already called 911 about it, you think that they would connect the two. Right. <laughs> yeah. Or like just the timing was such that maybe another officer had been dispatched to that and the wires got crossed about, mm-hmm. you know, what was going on. But at the same time, there's not another officer that responds to this vehicle mm-hmm. from the 911 call that Brandon placed. It was just the guy responding to the vehicle out in the Which road. Is just weird to me. That yeah, that is a little strange or for sure. Anything. Um, while they were talking, Kyle got a phone call from Brandon. But again, this was like an area that he didn't really have uh, the best coverage. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of the call was static and there were like small bits that he could make out. Kyle recalls Brandon saying he was 10 minutes up the road and just hurry up and get here and that he was bleeding. Um, Mm. Although the deputy was with them at the time he received the call, Kyle did not initially tell them that the call was from Brandon, Mm -hmm. uh, which we will talk about later. At 1.18 a.m., Audrey texted Brandon and said, a cop is at your truck. So the thing about this is that at the time of his disappearance, Brandon actually had an outstanding warrant. Um, and it is thought that she did this to like warn him that there was police around his vehicle. Um, again, I'll come back to the warrant part later because it is um, one of the more... I mean, if he was that afraid, he wouldn't have called the police in the first place. You know what I mean? Well, and that could have been why he asked for a cop versus an ambulance. 
Right. Um, which some people have pointed out too. Um, but again, we'll come back to the warrant part of this mm-hmm. later. Um, the deputy put on the emergency flashers on the car and then left the scene without running the plates. Um, and he left it there for a tow to come back in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, Kyle and Aubrey put the gas can in the bed of the truck in case uh, Brandon came back, that there would be gas in there. And the two of them began to look for him. They looked literally all night. And when morning had arrived, they still hadn't seen heads or tails of Brandon and they decided to talk again with police and now told them that they had received this phone call from Brandon in the midst of them being at the car. Brandon's family didn't find out that he had initially called 911 until Ladessa, his wife, spotted it on the itemized cell phone statement received from law enforcement. Okay. They actually um, had to go to law enforcement, get this itemized um cell phone bill mm-hmm. and that's when they found out that Brandon had initially called that phone call that I played earlier mm-hmm. they found out about that they didn't know that that had happened <sighs> I know I'm just so confused because I attempted to be a dispatcher yeah to get that a job like that mm-hmm. and there are a lot of things that you have to do when someone phones in especially if they don't respond to you in the middle of a conversation right so the fact that she didn't have anyone dispatched that she didn't make a note of it and put it in a report that's something else you're supposed to do if you lose contact with the person you're supposed to try to keep them on the line until help gets there um but if they hang up or whatever you're supposed to put in a report so that they go back and they try to track the phone because what they'll do is they'll 911 will call you back oh yeah Oh yeah, I've the had fact that, that <laughs> I've had that happen. happen to me before. I was um in an area where the cell phone reception was not that great. I happened to get hit as I was backing out of a parking space. So it wasn't necessarily like an emergency, but my phone kept dropping the call and I mm-hmm. kept getting a call back from them until they could get I could find a spot where they could hear me well enough right. to to so the fact tell them what was going on. Neither of those things happened is so confusing to me. Yeah. And it's like they're very much responsible for what happened. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Just a couple of things that I want to quickly point out. Um, So although Brandon had a warrant for his arrest at the time of his disappearance, it seems that he himself had just learned about that warrant and he was uh, taking steps, the appropriate steps, it seems to get that taken care of. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is he was contacting and working with a lawyer to figure out what he needed to do. Um, I wanted to point this out because of course, in the big wide world of the internet, um, some people tend to make him out as this like really hardened criminal, criminal like right. a felon. And you can get a warrant for your arrest for not appearing to court for a ticket. Right. Right. So pump the brakes. Exactly. Like- yeah. And uh, like I said, in the research that I did, I really did not get the impression that he was just like some, you know, hooligan. And if he works in oil fields, you're gone for months right. at a time. So you probably aren't even aware that, you know, you have an outstanding ticket or something like that. Yeah. It could be for parking tickets, for speeding. Exactly. Especially shit. if you, like, maybe you move yeah. and it happens in another state or another county and you mm-hmm. just don't find out about it. Yeah. 
Um, another thing is that when Kyle and Aubrey and the sheriff's deputy arrived at the vehicle, the two parties came from different directions on the same road and mm. neither of them saw Brandon or like really saw anything suspicious. Right. Um, cause you would think if they were coming from opposite sides they would and something, right. If there was like a crash or like, you know, somebody walking on the side of the road. Right. Um, the whole time that Kyle and Aubrey were searching for Brandon, they were continuously calling his phone, hoping to get an answer. Mm-hmm. Um, Kyle reported that his phone stopped ringing at approximately 3.30 a.m., signaling that it had either been turned off or it was dead. Um, Did they get any, like, pings to triangulate his location at all? I, or? I didn't see really anything about the cell phone pinging. Um, this was in 2013, so I would right. assume that they have the means to do that. But if you're in such a s- small area, I mean, depending on a, how far from the road he got, that could all be covered under the same tower, too. That's true. Um, so if you're not moving from tower to tower, all you're going to know is that it's in one area. Mm-hmm. Um, so for those of you that don't understand what we're talking about, essentially what happens is there's cell phone towers within cities that ping your phone to so your phone can receive cell reception, essentially. Um, and depending on where you're at depends on what tower you're pinging from. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times when you're talking about people moving across state lines and police are trying to find them, they can kind of get a trail of your pings, depending on the towers. Yeah. And it's a little bit yeah. easier in a city to do that because there's so many more towers. But right. when you're out in the middle of nowhere, generally speaking, there's one, maybe two. Yeah, you could have one tower covering a really large area. And while it will narrow it down to that area, it's not going to allow you to pinpoint necessarily. Yeah, unless you have, like, find my iPhone on. Right. You're not going to be able to yeah. like, exactly triangulate And then it's somebody. like a geocaching adventure. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just weird that I feel like they did skip over a lot of things that a normal investigation would cover. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Um, The last thing I want to point out is that due to this being an active case, police haven't really been releasing anything other than like general information, of course, about the case Mm -hmm. to the public. The 911 call that we played was only made public by Brandon's wife, who um, had received it from police. Mm -hmm. And she, it was after he had been missing for six months that she decided to release this um, online to maybe try to, some you know, right. Um, I, th- I believe her thinking was that if there was other people at the scene, mm-hmm. maybe they would hear that and know something, you know, something like that. Um, there also seems to be a bit of a feud between the family and the Observer Enterprise newspaper based out of Coke County, which is the county that Brandon went missing in. Right. Um, this is this is about to get real petty real quick. Cool. <laughs> which is like <laughs> the best. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it's about to get real petty. Um, the paper published reports that were, shall we say, a bit controversial. Right. Um, after Brandon's disappearance. The paper itself was bought by none other than Sheriff Wayne McCuthan, who is the Coke County Sheriff's Department um, of Isn't the Coke County like Sheriff's Department and the investigative agency <laughs> handling Brandon's case and his wife, Melinda McCuthan, who um, actually runs the paper is his wife is the one who runs the paper. And they, they bought that in 2010. I don't know how that works with an organization like a newspaper, like a media outlet, but... Who knows? I mean, from a legal standpoint, they would have access.
access to information. Yeah. Um, that might not be able to be made public, but they could do it. I just, I, I don't know. It just, well, and honestly, I feel like that's a conflict of interest. When you're talking about like small town <laughs> papers, <laughs> it's not necessarily something people are going to bring up. Right. You know, it's not as like big of a controversy, I think, as if you were talking about, say, like the Chicago Tribune being owned by um, the Chicago county right chicago county sure <laughs> yeah the county sheriff county sheriff yeah exactly um lake county we'll go there, there you go I thank you lake county <laughs> Chica- you know chicago is one of those weird weirdly laid out cities that Isn't also incorporates cities yeah. Yeah. yeah but there's like cities incorporated into chicago that are technically chicago but they're their own like boroughs and shit right yeah i don't know confusing we've talked about how i don't do geography this That's falls cool. under that umbrella you know <laughs> doesn't matter <laughs> um all of the controversial um reports and facebook posts which to me it's like a little bit embarrassing that facebook posts have to be included in like a list of reporting things it's like oh dear god what have we come to yeah um They've all been published under Melinda's name, and she seems to be under the belief that Brandon has either staged his disappearance or was heavily under the influence of drugs and alcohol. Although a lot of these claims are like made with no evidence whatsoever. For example... Let me oh, read a, I need a buckle in here. Right. A Melinda Facebook post. Yes. <sighs> you know what? <clears throat> Melinda's a bitch's name. <laughs> you know, I say that about like tons of names. Yeah. Every name that's not Janelle but or Melinda. Vicky or Tiff. No. Um, Janelle's yeah. a trashy name and I totally know that. <laughs> um, so for example, from Melinda's Facebook, she says, quote, My question is, after the deputy left and in the hours before the truck was towed, why didn't he go back to his truck and drive off? Could it be he thought he would be stopped while driving? His actions prove he didn't want to be seen by law enforcement. Could it be he still doesn't want to be found, especially after all the publicity? Mm. Yeah. Um, (laughs) After Kyle admitted to law enforcement that he, he had spoken to Brandon on the phone, the Coke County Observer Enterprise continuously reported that he had been hiding in the brush, although no evidence other than like Kyle having that initial thought when he had when he had gone back to the police, he said, I didn't want to tell you because my brother has this warrant. I thought he maybe was hiding in the brush, but obviously that wasn't the case. Right. Um, but did they even try to find footprints or any sort of evidence of the direction that he went off into? Yeah, they've done searches in the area um, since then. The family itself has funded a few um, cadaver dog uh, searches and things like that in the area, too. Mm-hmm. So, um, But the... Coke County Observer reported that he had been hiding in the brush, although the only evidence they have was Kyle saying this offhandedly once. That was that was it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also been various posts with titles like Law Enforcement Concludes Man Not in Coke County and Missing Man No Longer in Coke County, as if it had been decided that he wasn't there, although they've never found a body or anything, so they can't definitively say that. It also doesn't sound like they have much in the ways of physical evidence whatsoever. Right. Um, They also made a statement on October 2nd, 2013, which was less than two months after Brandon went missing, saying, in conclusion, there were many poor decisions made that night and during the next few days. However, they weren't made by the Coke County Sheriff's Office. 
Just wanted to to drop that in there because, like, if you go and look at the Brandon uh, Lawson website, there is a whole shitload of stuff about this woman and her posting and and reporting these articles for a Coke County newspaper. They are not happy, which understandably so. Um, It seems to me she makes a lot of assumptions. Yeah. All right, so we are on to theories. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. Have, do you have something in your head? I'm going to ask you at the end, but do you kind of have something in your head you're thinking? I mean, maybe I have a feeling, okay. but it's it's not necessarily a theory. Okay. <laughs> so one of the most common theories is that something bad happened. Well, obviously, a person yeah. is missing. <laughs> right. I know. And it's it's, but that's really what it is. Like something bad happened, but. We don't really know what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, the possibility of law enforcement having some sort of involvement is a possibility that some have raised, although right. like in what context is kind of unclear. And it, it doesn't necessarily mean that he's responsible for there or that the police the department. police department is responsible for his disappearance. But it could possibly be like maybe a cover up of the investigation, right. something like they're not really sure, like in what context. Mm-hmm. Um, it is clear, though, that something more convoluted happened here, and his 911 call sort of makes it sound like there are multiple parties involved. Right. Um, maybe like a car accident, although they said there was no visible damage. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if he was out of gas and pulled over on the side of the road and somebody stopped to help him, I, it could have been a lot of things why there would be multiple people at the, the side of the road. Yeah. Um. So that's kind of one theory, police or just like something bad. Um, some have speculated that the unknown 911 caller who was the, the motorist that happened upon the vehicle, mm-hmm. um, he might have had a larger role in the incident. The caller himself hasn't been identified and like details about this call have never been made public. It could be a woman, he or she. Right. Um, the thought here is that the caller could have spotted Brandon and maybe offered him a ride if you're a positive thinker. <laughs> Or worse, if you are a negative thinker, you know, um, they've also talked about too, like maybe something happened to both of them where the motorist and Brandon found just some unlucky fate. Who knows? Mm -hmm. Um, Another theory is that Brandon may have been experiencing some sort of altered consciousness. The first obvious thing that people point to is the warrant itself was drug related, and suggested that he may have had a relapse, but his family, and more specifically his wife, has been really adamant that he was not under the influence of drugs or alcohol. Um, additionally, if he had been that fucked up on something, it doesn't explain why they haven't found his body over four right. years later. Or evidence in the vehicle of right. drugs. Yeah. And some places I saw, too... Um, said that it wouldn't have made sense for him to get the distance that he did. He was about 40 minutes, I believe, away from his house mm-hmm. to, if he was like that fucked up on drugs, he to get that far. The state of mind to call the police, to right. give a location. Right. And that actually is um, one of the things that people point to is that some people have tried to draw similarities between his 911 calls and calls made by paranoid drug users in the past. I have heard like, okay, listen to this 911 call and listen to this call from somebody who is known to be a paranoid drug user. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, it really doesn't sound like he's under the influence. 
Um, he actually sounded like he sounded pretty panicked, cognitive, but yeah. coherent. Yeah, like made just a little panicked. Yeah, which like he was running, right? Or yeah, or something big just happened. He's trying to get a hold of nine one one. It didn't sound to me like being on some sort of drugs. No, I mean when you're on drugs, you really don't have the frame of mind to like give a location to where you are and um, to give the specifics that he was giving in that nine one one call. Mm-hmm. I I just don't feel like that is a possibility. Yeah. And that there's no yeah. evidence whatsoever anywhere in it's the just, car it's of drugs. The combination of him not so in my head when you think about it, he the whole reason he left the house is because he got into a fight with his wife. Right. He only made it forty minutes away. Or he made it forty minutes away, and if he was that messed up, I really don't think he would have made it that far. Mm-hmm. And to be coherent enough to call nine one one in the case of an emergency, and I mean, I really think that if it wasn't for the cell phone reception, he would have been able to more clearly communicate. But that's you know, it still just sounded like a panicked person, right. not like a manic person. Mm-hmm. Um. There's a ton of other theories that I'm not really including in this because, frankly, they aren't really as credible as the ones that I did include, even though some of the ones I did include are, like, not super credible. Right. Um, but what do you think happens? <laughs> um, so from what I'm gathering of this, yeah. I feel like this is, I'm just going to spitball an idea here. Um, he pulled over because he ran out of gas. And from mm-hmm. what you said, he wasn't all the way pulled over. Mm-hmm. Now, what I'm assuming is maybe someone almost hit him. Mm-hmm. And in that almost hitting them, they probably also pulled over to kind of have words with him. Right. And I think maybe there was an exchange with another motorist that wasn't pleasant. Mm-hmm. And maybe there were some threats. And maybe he ran away from the scene. Because he was afraid that there was going to be like a fight or something that broke out. Right. Um, which is probably why he was running, probably why he was trying to give um, his location and to send the police. And also and why an he ambulance. said he was bleeding. Too. Why he was bleeding, yeah. maybe an altercation that was starting. Yeah. Now, from that point, I don't know what happens. Right. Um, they sent out dogs mm-hmm. and they did a, a full search of the area. They didn't find in, any information from what I'm understanding. Right. Yeah. Footprints, clothing, keys, nothing. Not that I could see. Yeah. Um, so to me, that says maybe he was picked up um, somewhere by someone. Right. Um, and if he really did get far enough away to get lost. Yeah. There's sh- I feel like there still should be some sort of evidence of him walking or running or being somewhere. Right. But the fact that dogs didn't pick up a scent says to me, I mean, dogs usually stop at their scent um, because of water mm-hmm. or because of a vehicle, you know, something where they can't physically track it because the person was taken away. So taking that into consideration, I don't think he got far enough away to be lost. Yeah. It doesn't sound like there was any rivers or yeah. lakes or anything nearby. Right. So I'm assuming that maybe he got picked up by somebody. Um, but I feel like it started with an altercation. Yeah. Because the things that he was saying in that 911 um, clip, it sounded like he was in trouble, but there's yeah. no evidence of, of an accident. So that's why I'm thinking maybe a near miss, a yeah. road rage sort of situation. 
sounds more plausible to me. Yeah. And I, I really, if you're listening to this in your car or on a set of speakers, I really encourage you to um, either listen to it on a set of headphones or seek it out on YouTube and listen to it in yeah, headphones. They do have slow down versions. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, there were like, you could hear on the 911 calls, there are chimes at the beginning. That's not like... It's just what they had at the beginning of the mm-hmm. the recording. Some people have claimed that the 911 calls sound edited. Right. To me, they sound like bad cell reception. And I, I don't feel like the police are involved, but I definitely do feel like they are covering up a their lack of, of yeah. investigation. Yeah. Which isn't unheard of. What I you know mentioned before, that 911 operator did not do her job. She did not follow up. She did not try to call him back, right. which is what you're supposed to do when you lose contact with someone who says that they need help, mm-hmm. obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was no other police sent out from her call. It was only from the passing motorist or even just a a patrolman going up the highway is what it sounded more like. And I Um, think for me, the key to this whole thing is that passing motorist phone call, because it sounds to me that the phone call itself, by the time the motorist had gotten there, he was reporting a car parked on the highway and Brandon was gone at that point. mm -hmm. Um, Because otherwise he would have said, Oh, there's, you know, either there's a guy on the side of the road, if he was like unconscious or dead, you know, but it, it, the way that it was phrased, it sounds more to me like by that point, only, you know, 10 to 15 minutes later, he was, he was gone already. Yeah. And I think really finding the, uh, person, the man or woman who made that phone call, um, to give police more information, you know, it mm-hmm. could be one little like blip in your memory that you happen to stop and make this phone call, but if you think it was you, to come forward to police and say what you saw that night. Cause that's like the one person in between the 911 phone call and Kyle and Audrey and the sheriff's deputy getting to the car. And it really surprises me that no one else has come forward because yeah. it sounds like that roadway is fairly busy. Yeah. I mean, there were multiple people up and down it. Right. Um, Although you got to think too, it's like, it's not, it sounded to me like very rural, a rural area. Right. And it was like, you know, 1 a.m. Between 12 and 1 a.m. when all this is happening. I mean, I feel like there's probably more uh, witnesses to at least the vehicle being on the side of the road. Right. Um, It is also a little weird that his brother didn't make mention sooner that he had called him and contacted him and he said he was 10 minutes up the road and all this other stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. And why they didn't right then and there go 10 minutes up either direction and start looking right away. Well, and if you think, I mean, at that point, they thought, well, maybe he's hiding out because of this warrant that he has um, with the police. That's why he didn't, they didn't say anything about, you know, searching 10 minutes. And they did stick around and search the area, too. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know. I don't know. It it just seems a little strange uh, that his brother wasn't more adamant Mm -hmm. about getting help to find him. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right. Well, the last thing I'm going to leave you with is just some general information about Brandon Lawson. Um, Brandon Lawson went missing from San Angelo, Texas on August 8th, 2013. He was 26 years old. He's 5'9", 230 pounds, a Caucasian male with brown hair and blue eyes. He also has multiple tattoos on his arms, as well as scars on his chin and left knee and one ear piercing. At the time of his disappearance, Brandon was wearing a bright yellow shirt camouflage shorts and a uh, and white 2013 Nike Air Max shoes. If you have any information or potential information, please call the Texas Department of Public Safety, MPC at 512-424-5074, case number M is in Mary, 1308005, the Coke County Sheriff's Office at 325-453-2717, or your local law enforcement. I, you know how much I love the 40s, right? Yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> it's an issue. Um, so I was looking for something, I wasn't going to say fun and exciting, but I, um, a disappearance yeah. isn't really fun and exciting. Super fun and exciting. Um, so I really like the LA in the 40s. I don't know if you've ever seen LA Confidential, that movie with uh, Kevin no. Spacey and Kim Bassinger. And, no. Oh my God, watch it. Okay. It kind of talks about, like, the gangsters of the 40s in yeah. L.A., like yeah. Mickey Cohen. Well, and I feel um, like L.A. 40s was very, like, a glamorous, noir. Oh, like... The noir. Yeah. <laughs> I have like, played L.A. noir. Does I that, that count? <laughs> I have that. Solely because it has noir. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, so I was kind of researching stories around that, because a lot of people went you know, disappeared and went missing around that time period. It was and easy. I'm oh yeah. I yeah. mean plus the entire city was ran by gangsters. Right. So they had the police department, no big deal. Mm-hmm. Um so I found a story about Jean Elizabeth Spangler. Okay. And I was like, I'm gonna do this. Alright. So I feel like I have to talk in my newsy voice. Oh that's this, this is, is where like, the newsy voice comes in. <laughs> because this is like I all I can hear in my head when I read this story is like news bulletins extra extra <laughs> yeah it's like duh, 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 duh. like bit pot actress missing where'd she go <laughs> where'd she go no one this knows wonderful stage beauty <laughs> uh, okay oh, no. yeah anyway uh, <laughs> she was a model a dancer and a bit part actress living in hollywood um and she went missing on october 7th of 1949 she was never heard from again okay so we're just going to rewind a little bit, kind of talk about her life before. All right. And then some theories on her disappearance. Okay. Because it's a little bit weird. All right. <laughs> I like weird. I'm um, obsessed with, we- like, the weird. Yeah. There's also a weird connection uh, to another murder. So oh. that'll be a nice oh, I'm little... so excited. Yeah, this is right. one that I'm not familiar with, so... Um, so... In 1942, Jean was 19 years old, and she married her first love, Dexter Benner. Um, yeah, right. Sounds great. Well, it wasn't. Oh. After six months of being married, Shit. she filed for divorce, oh. <laughs> citing cruelty, um, which is like a fancy way of saying abuse back then. Okay. Um, the two, however, reconciled, and they had a daughter in 1944. Oh, girl. Whom they named Christine. Oh, girl. Um, so two years later, in 1946, the two decided to divorce again, citing infidelity on Jean's part. 
Oh. Whoa. <laughs> so. Dang. Um, she was kind of a party girl. She started out in Hollywood as just a dancer, mm-hmm. and then she started doing modeling and bit part acting, and that's when she kind of was like, I love this. Yeah. And she started doing, like, the 1940s party circuit, which is, like, code for you're a slut <laughs> when yeah. you do a party circuit. Yeah. Um, so, like, sleeping with men, yeah. getting parts sort of thing. Now, for those Being who don't know, <laughs> can you explain what a bit part actor is? So, that's kind of what we... Uh, the term we use now is just, like, a background, like a background actor. actor yeah. Or, um... There's another more common term that it's escaping my mind. Uh, Extras? An extra. Yeah. Yeah. So a bit part usually has a little bit more of a role. Um, They'll be put in the front because of their looks. They'll get, like, one line maybe. Yeah. Um, So they're a little bit more um, there for, like looks so they're like they're like the a grade version of extras (laughs) they're like an extra for the scenery (laughs) yes yes so she was hired basically for her looks and i mean i put a picture up so that you could see she was very beautiful oh yeah she's gorgeous um so that's what she was doing and she uh you know did whatever she wanted didn't matter um so during this time obviously it was towards the end of world war ii and her husband actually was not um, in the U.S. He was overseas fighting. Okay. So while he was gone, she was hanging around with some lieutenants in the oh. army and sleeping with them, which oh. actually wasn't uncommon. Yeah. Um, a lot of women had relationships outside of their marriage during this time. Well, and I think most of the men were gone. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it was harder now. You think about it, and you're literally like you know, internet phone call away from somebody who's deployed. Whereas back then you didn't know when they were coming back, if they were coming back, the only contact you had were through letters Mm -hmm. and we all know how slow snail mail. Yeah. And you also have to take into consideration too, that men overseas were obviously seeing other women. Right. I mean, the brothel business in Europe was a booming. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. I mean, it goes both ways. So yeah. I'm sure he was probably sleeping with other women, too. Right. Um, but it's always more sensational when it's a woman. So of course, um, she was cozying up to a, a man while he was gone. So that was part of the infidelity. Um, his name was Lieutenant Scott, and he was an army officer. So actually do keep that in mind oh no no way okay yes um and it's funny that you said dr scott dr scott so yeah you're just like rocket reading the future oh weird (laughs) and see i Um, thought that was all just yeah uh, it wasn't just a funny rocky horror quip (laughs) (laughs) um because this was before rocky oh damn um so she also supposedly had a little black book that was filled with like dates um because to another thing that was really popular back then was to go uh date dancing so you would put your it sounds like an escort but there was actually no sex involved okay Um, well there wasn't supposed to be sex involved okay so you would go to a dance um that army navy air force men were holding right and you would put your name on a list and they would select you for a date so they would just dance with you all night take you out for dinner it's kind of like keeping each other company sort of thing okay um now, some girls actually were 
using this to, you know, become ladies of the night. <laughs> All right. Um, but most women did it to just meet a man in the army. Yeah. Because they were looking for a potential husband. Right. Um, and military men made good husbands. Well, for I mean, sure. they also were the only ones making money at the time. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, hello. Yeah. Well, and I think there was the whole patriotism thing. Like, oh, yeah. a good man fights for his country, sort of a... So she she yeah. had a list of dancing dates that Ooh. she would go on. All right. Um, of course, some people misconstrue that as, like, her little black book of, like, lovers. But it was just guys that she would go in, on dates with. Um, so there was also talk that... Perhaps her daughter Christine was not her husband's and was, in fact, the lieutenant officer's child. But there was no, like, no one went into it and investigated. No one had a paternity test to, you know, reveal it. And her father, Dexter, never questioned whether or not, you know, she was truly his. So Best to let sleeping dogs lie on. Yeah, let's not open that door. (laughs) Especially, you don't, you know, being a child of infidelity back then was pretty harsh. So yeah. Oh, yeah. Even in Hollywood. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and God forbid the father decide to leave because the stigma of being a single mother divorced back then, which is what they were was even like, yeah, big deal. Fucking ridiculous. Yeah. So, um, after they had divorced, Dexter Benner had retained custody of their daughter as Spangler was seen as an adulterer and unfit to be a mother because of her partying lifestyle. Gotcha. Now, however, she kept taking him back to court to win custody. And in 1948, she finally was awarded custody of their daughter, Christine. Okay. And then she went to live with her mother, brother, and sister-in-law in a, kind of like an apartment complex in Hollywood. Okay. So, on October 7th of 1949 is when Spangler uh, went missing. She, that night, left her daughter with her sister-in-law, Sophie, and stated that she was going to have a meeting with Brenner to discuss some child support payments, and then she was going to go do some work on a movie set later that night after they had their little meeting. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, Jean never arrived home that evening, so Sophie filed a missing persons report. Okay. Um... Now, the police immediately went and questioned her ex-husband, and he stated that he had actually not seen her in a couple months, and that she did not contact him about child support payments. Um, His new wife also stated that the two had been together all night, and he did not leave. Oh, my God. I am already like, I have so many questions. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's all I had during reading this was questions. Wow. Okay. So no one could corroborate Jean's story about going to meet her ex-husband and then going to the studio for work. Um, They contacted the studio and they stated that she was actually not um, on their list for any... uh, current projects that were being filmed. Oh, really? So not only was she not going to see her husband, she actually wasn't even part of any filming that was going on, and the studio was actually not even open that night that she went missing. Okay. So weird, weird. stuff Weird, yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, there was only one witness to see Spangler after she left her home, and it was a store clerk down the street at a convenience store who said that she was outside the store for about 10 to 15 minutes, and it looked like she was waiting for somebody. Okay. Um, that's all they got. 
there was no other information. She didn't go inside the store. She didn't speak to the clerk. They just noticed her standing outside the door for about 10 to 15 minutes. Yeah. And then leaving. Yeah. No one actually came and approached her. So okay. we don't know. <laughs> All right. Um, now, two days later, on October 9th, Spangler's Purse was found near the Ferndale entrance to Griffith Park in Los Angeles. This place is fucking huge. It is like Central Park. Okay. In L.A. Actually, I think it's bigger than Central Park. Okay. It's fucking ginormous. Wow. Um, the purse um, had two little straps, and one side, uh, the strap was completely torn off the handle. Um, and it looked like it had been, like, ripped from okay. somebody's arm. Um, it was in tatters. So... When they found this, they uh, took 60 police and 100 volunteers to search the 4,107-acre park. That's how big that fucking park is. It's That's not a park at that point. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck that is. That's huge. Um, like a preserve, almost. Yeah, pretty much a preserve. And yeah. this park had a lot of different terrain. There was, like, wooded areas. There yeah. was some more sandy, beachy kind of looking areas. Um, they found nothing else. No information, no footprints, no cards. Just the purse. Marks, just her purse. Okay. Um, inside the purse was her ID and a note, and that was it. Um, Spangler's sister-in-law stated that she did not leave the home with any money, so they quickly ruled out a burglary. Um, and like I said, there was only two things in that purse. There, her ID mm-hmm. and this note. Okay. Um, the note was addressed to a man named Kirk. Okay. And it read, can't wait any longer, going to see Dr. Scott. It will work best this way while mother is away. Dr. Scott! Dr. Scott! (laughs) Oh, no. Okay. So, we're just going to analyze this note real quick here. Okay. Um, Addressed to Kirk. I am like, oh, my God. Who the fuck is Kirk? these things, I just have my brain reeling. It is literally a film noir movie. Can I tell you my first impression of this note? Yes. Is it almost sounds like it's maybe referring to, like, an abortion? That's my first thought, like, Mm -hmm. off the bat. Very good. Yes. Okay. That's it. That's That's it? Okay. Um, Just about the note. (laughs) I'm saying, in general, without knowing anymore, the whole thing... My, my, like, knee-jerk reaction would be, like, a purposeful disappearance. Right. Like, she disappeared on purpose. But it's... Well, I'll talk about it later. But. <laughs> it's fine. No, no. Okay. So, um, my my initial thoughts reading this note... Who the fuck is Kirk? Yeah. Who is that? <laughs> um, why can't you wait, bitch? What are you waiting for? <laughs> Who's this Dr. Scott? Dr. Scott. And why do you have to wait till your mother's away, your grown-ass woman? So... <laughs> yeah. Those are my thoughts. Um I'm going to see Dr. Scott... Now, the note also ended in a comma, as if she was going to continue writing and didn't. Oh. So, that's another theory that maybe she was mid-writing this note and something happened. Like, the purse getting ripped away from her. Yeah. Well, and I think the while mother is away, like, going to see the doctor while mother is away Mm -hmm. thing is what makes me think abortion. Exactly. Yeah. That was my initial thought, too. Um, The police talked to her family members and they were they didn't she didn't have a doctor scott um that she saw regularly so they didn't know where that came from mm-hmm. um and they're you know kirk no one really knew who a kirk was now her mother was gone while they were interviewing the sister-in-law and the brother and everything so when right. she returned she had some information okay um, she was out of town visiting family members in Kentucky. When she came back, she did an interview with the police. In her interview, she stated that a Kirk actually 
has picked up Jean from their home on several occasions to take her out. Now, he never came into the house. He never called on the phone. And no one ever actually physically saw him. All that she knew was that Jean stated when she left uh, the handful of times that she was going out with this man, she addressed him as Kirk. Okay. That's all they knew. Now, here's where it gets fucking twisty and turny and weird. As if it didn't already. Okay. <laughs> I don't know how well are you with 1940s movie stars. Oh, not. Okay. You might know this person. Okay. Uh, Spangler had actually just finished filming a project as a bit part actress in a movie called Young Man with a Horn. Okay. Now, the star of this movie was none other than Kirk Douglas, Michael Douglas's father. I was going to say, that sounds familiar. Yeah. Kirk Douglas. Yeah. Yeah. Um, very popular actor at the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. So this is where it gets real weird. That seems to be the only Kirk that she knew. Okay. Okay. Douglas was vacationing in Palm Springs when he heard about the disappearance of Jean. He called the police and told them that he was not the Kirk mentioned in the note. And when he was interviewed by the head investigating team, he stated that he had heard her name and knew that Spangler had been an extra in his new film, but did not know her personally. Uh, I say fucking suspicious. <laughs> well, it's weird that you would reach out to, to police. the police department and be like, yeah, I'm not the cook you're looking for. Well, and they talk a lot, too, about um, when somebody is murdered, the oftentimes the murderer will try to insert themselves into the case. Yes. Yeah, so this is one conspiracy theory. Oh. He was a known womanizer at the time. Yeah. He had a wife, but okay. he had several girlfriends. Of course. There's also a lot of conspiracy theories that he had several other children outside of the marriage. Yeah. Obviously, he has a famous actor son michael douglas um mm-hmm. there's just a lot of talk that he was taking her out on dates and he might have possibly gotten her pregnant and she went to take care of it well and that could explain too why the family never saw him because if you're somebody exactly. like kirk douglas you're not gonna want every tom dick and harry to know every where you who you're yeah you're <laughs> right. um if you're coming around because everybody's going to know who Kirk Douglas is, you know? Exactly. And that's probably why she never used his last name or mm. anything like that. Just yeah. Kirk. Um, so that's one possible conspiracy theory that okay. he was involved in this in a roundabout way. Yeah. Um, I would say, it's yeah. It's just weird that he would call the cops be like, that's, that's not me, though. It's, that I'm, is the I'm most Kirk, suspicious part of the yeah, entire story is that he, they didn't even make the connection and he called the police, and they're like, oh, she did work on this movie. Jeez. He is the only Kirk that she knows. Yeah. Harumph. Um, so, yeah. Super fucking suspicious. Oh, my God. Okay. Now, to corroborate this story, one of her friends that was also working on the movie told the police that she was three months pregnant. That the friend was three months <laughs> that pregnant? Jean or that Jean was friend she- months, three she- months pregnant. Okay. And she had stated that she was going to look for a doctor about her situation, and she knew a medical student who was in that business. Referring to back alley abortions, because obviously this time it was illegal to do so. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, jeez. So the police were unable to locate this mystery doctor. They couldn't find a Dr. Scott. Um, they couldn't find a medical student with the last name of Scott. 
Um, well, and Doctor Scott is such a generic. So gener- that's like, probably not his anywhere yeah, near like his saying, real name like, anyway. Jo- Doctor John, like, yeah. So a lot of those doctors who would perform back alley abortions didn't use their real name. A lot yeah. of times they would, you know, it was just like a checkup, blah blah blah. Um, you weren't allowed to give your real name. It was cash yeah. only. Yeah. It was, you know, in CD places where they would perform these operations. And a lot of times things would go wrong and these women would actually wind up going to the hospital and having to go under surgery or dying because of bleeding out. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that is a possibility of what had happened. It's, I mean, it seems legit. Yeah. But then I go back to the purse in the park. I would, (laughs) yeah. I would think that if she made it to a hospital, would the hospitals at that time or would people who are looking for missing persons go to hospitals? I mean, is is that something they did at that time? Yeah. um, If you have a Jane Doe in your morgue or in your, I mean, she doesn't have to be dead. She could still be a Jane Doe and be alive. Yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah. if someone files a missing persons report, generally what they do is they go through uh, Jane Doe's at hospitals yeah. first um, to see if the body is found yeah. or whatever. Because my other thought would be as a as a doctor or, you know, a medical student performing these back alley abortions that aren't exactly 100% legal, you don't want to jeopardize your career, yeah. you would be um, just as likely to possibly dump a body Mm-hmm. If, you know, your patient happens to die while you're performing this illegal thing, rather than risk your reputation by taking her to a hospital. Exactly. It would almost be easier to just get rid of this body exactly. that you have. But yeah, um, the purse thing is... The purse thing, I keep coming back to that and be like, this doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um. So the fact that her friend kind of corroborated that, that whole, like, abortion Is she story, the only one that knew? Like, her family didn't know that she her was family pregnant? Didn't know. Or? Um, she is the only person that was supposedly told. Okay. Because it could just be gossip yeah. as well. Right. Um, right. I mean, if you're in that situation, unless you know someone who's also done that before yeah. to look for assistance in finding somebody, you're not going to be going around telling people, like... I need to get an abortion, darling. <laughs> like, hey, not a thing. Oh, did I tell you what I did over the weekend? Yes, I got an abortion. Uh, let's see, uh, a pedicure. I got my hair done in rollers. Had an abortion. I went for that <laughs> quick afternoon abortion. Yeah, and then so, I had a glass of champagne. Yeah, and then I went and saw Kirk, darling, afterwards for dinner. Uh, it's like no. Uh, um. So here's the other kind of weird theory. Uh, Spangler had also been a known associate of Davy Ogle, who was like a right-hand man for mobster Mickey Cohen. Okay. So, the weird thing um, is Davy Ogle actually disappeared two days after Gene Spangler went missing. Mm. So, um, this kind of led the police to investigate the possibility that Spangler and Ogle were running away together. Ogle was at the time um, under indictment for conspiracy, um, and he has been known to flee before. So they think that one possibility might be that she purposefully disappeared herself. (laughs) 
that. I was waiting to so use much. that. Once you mentioned Such that, I was like, oh, that's term. actually in Did we story. talk about that before we were recording or yeah. after? Yeah. That's <laughs> a stupid term. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> there Went she, missing. She disappeared herself uh, to be with J.V. So Ogle. Um, and there's actually a couple of sort of sightings, supposedly, of the two. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1950, a customs agent in El Paso, Texas, reported seeing Ogle and a woman who looked similar to Spangler in a hotel in El Paso. Um, the hotel clerk identified Spangler from a photograph, but neither Davy Ogle nor Gene Spangler's names appeared on the hotel registry. Okay. Um, which I mean, using fake names would have made sense. Of course. Yeah. And there was also a couple uh, sightings of them in actually being in Mexico, in Mexico City, uh, about five years later. Okay. So that is also a theory. Um, so we have the Kirk Douglas abortion theory, and we have the Davy Ogle purposeful disappearance story. Well, the other <laughs> thing I think, because if the theory is them running away together... Mm-hmm. I think it's just as likely. So here's ready for this is the way my mind immediately jumps to murder, of course. (laughs) So it's entirely possible. Maybe she was a liability to something like she knew something Mm -hmm. that Ogle had said to her or she found something out. And Ogle was tasked with killing her. And in order for nobody to find out, they killed him, too. Yes. Um. My Which is a complete stretch. Absolutely, one hundred percent a complete stretch. I don't think it is a stretch because really? it actually is very, very common at this time for people to go missing and their wives and girlfriends as well. Yeah, Mickey Cohen. If you know anything about him, was fucking ruthless. Yeah, he would kill women and children. He didn't give a fuck. Yeah, he had all of the police department in his pocket. Yeah. he ran L.A. At this time period, Um, it didn't take until like the mid 50s for them to take down his entire racket. Mm -hmm. Um, My thoughts on this uh, she could have been pregnant, she could have been going to see a doctor. Yeah. The entire story could be true. Oh my gosh! What if it was? <laughs> what if it was a jealousy thing? Like she was dating Kirk Douglas, and he got her pregnant. She was also dating this Ogle guy at the same time, and mm-hmm. he got all pissed off about her being pregnant with some other guy's kid. Ugh. So many. My things. thought is that she probably was in trouble. That's yeah. the terms they like to use back then. She was in trouble. Yeah. She was seeking a doctor. Yeah. Um, to take care of this issue because you can't be a movie star and have a child out of wedlock. Yeah. Or to really have a child at all because she wasn't taking care of her daughter. Her yeah. mother was. Um, she was probably in trouble looking for a doctor, but she probably did date Davy Ogle and she probably knew things yeah. because pillow talk obviously you're going right. to divulge some yeah. secrets while you're banging okay it just happens um, and they probably got rid of both of them yeah just as a liability yeah a lot of times what they would like to do back then was take people out to these industrial parks that were owned by the mob and abandoned at night mm-hmm. and shoot these people and then get rid of their bodies yeah um, there's Tons of places to get rid of bodies. Right. And the fact that they... What I keep going back to is the purse. The yeah, purse, I was just thinking There the was only a struggle. Thing. Obviously, there was a struggle. So yeah. I don't think that this was a situation of her going to an abortionist, 
dying during the procedure or after the procedure because it doesn't explain the purse. Well, and the purse could honestly have a simple explanation too, as if, um, like, say she was on her way to meet this doctor mm-hmm. or something and got mugged on the street. They would grab the purse and run and maybe take it to the park to look to see what they had. And if all they had was, oh, there's no money in here. Like, I don't want this purse. All I wanted Mm -hmm. was the money inside. Just left it. I mean, that's just, to me, that's just as likely as, Um, like, the purse being stolen having nothing to do with her disappearance. She just, you also have to think that this time, like, women weren't really carrying around money. Yeah. Even if you were independent. Yeah, that's true. You weren't carrying around credit cards and debit yeah. cards and cash very mm-hmm. much. Um, and a lot of times people would just pay for you for cabs, especially if right. you're going to see a doctor. That was probably a prepaid cab for you to get in and go. And then you have to yeah. also take into consideration going back where that clerk spotted her waiting outside the office for somebody. It's like, who was she waiting for? Why was she there for only 10 to 15 minutes and then left? Yeah. Didn't get into a car, just walked down the street. It's weird. Yeah. Also, then no one came forward saying that they drove her anywhere. Um, no one said anything about her being on public transit. Yeah. Well, if it has anything to do with the mob, I could understand why you would come why forward I with information. Which is why I lean towards that. Yeah. Um, she, I, like I said, it was probably a mixture of both these stories. Mm-hmm. Now, there's another theory. Okay. Um, that's kind of fun. All right. <laughs> um, but I feel it's not connected whatsoever. Now, I told you to look at that picture. Yeah. Let me scroll back. Does she remind you of anybody? Specifically, more so the picture on the right side. Um, Kind of. I mean, she obviously looks like every 1940s movie actress at the time period. Yeah. But really, her dark hair, her light eyes, her red lipstick. Yeah. She looks like the Black Dahlia. Oh. Like super close. Yeah. Um there is a side by side picture of her with the Black Dahlia. Okay. Um and there is a theory that her and Elizabeth Smart, um, who was actually found two years previously dead and dismembered, mm-hmm. um were part of this sort of same kind of abortion ring. Okay. Um, Jean's body was never found. She's never been found. There's no evidence of her anywhere. Her daughter and her ex-husband refused to talk about her even. Yeah. Um, but there is a lot of talk and a lot of theories that she's also one of the patients that the Black Dahlia saw. Um, oh, yeah. And he just improved his technique of getting rid of people. <laughs> there is a theory that obviously Elizabeth Smart went to an abortionist to have an abortion. And in their attempt to get rid of the evidence, they proceeded to chop her up to separate her body parts. This is a, a Black Dahlia conspiracy theory. Yeah. Um, and he was just rushed and was not able to dismember her fully and just left her in a field. Mm-hmm. In, a, in a development. Now, the theory is that she went and saw the same abortionist, and because it's been a couple of years, he's a little bit better, he he knows a little bit more what to do, that this abortion went wrong, right. and he was able to get rid of her fully and completely. Yeah, I could um, definitely see 
where you would draw that connection to the Black Dahlia. Yeah, they look very similar, but that's also the fashion of the time period. They both have dark black brown hair and blue eyes, and, you know, they're both aspiring actresses. Yeah. Was there any theories of her living under a different name somewhere i'm sure there's um there was the you know the theory that she did run away with that davy ogle guy they yeah kind of you know disappeared together yeah um and that there was sightings a lot of times of them. when you get this it's like oh she was actually you know this famous actress that went yeah. on to do blah blah blah. i'm sure she had lots of aliases yeah just because of the fact that she was going to all those dances with different men and right um, yeah when you're an actress you have a stage name, obviously. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I feel like with this story, it's kind of a mixture of everything together. There is a little bit of truth in everything that I read about. Like, yeah, she could have went on dates with Kirk Douglas. She could have went on dates with Davy Ogle. She could have went on dates with everyone in Los Angeles. Right. Um, yeah. She had a, a little black book for Christ's sake that had a bunch of names in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, some of those names they investigated went anywhere it's like yeah i went on a couple dates with her i had dinner with her we went dancing and that was about it yeah um but even back then just doing that you could be considered a hussy so it's like (laughs) right you know um and the note the the way the note is written too um it's like kirk i can't wait any longer going to see dr scott it will work best this way while mother is away yeah i mean to me that says yeah, you're in trouble. You need to take care of this. Your mother already thinks you're a fuck up because you got married, had a kid, got divorced. I mean, you're partying. You don't want to be a mother. Right. It's like this whole... And then to be pregnant again mm-hmm. by a, a famous movie star, we'll just say. Yeah. Obviously, your mother's not going to be pleased. <laughs> right. And she might even kick you out. And where yeah. are you going to go? Yeah. You can't go with your famous movie star boyfriend he has a family yeah you can't go with your mobster boyfriend you know he doesn't want kids he's in the mob yeah so she's probably stuck in a difficult place um i would like to think that she ran away but i also i as much as probably not (laughs) like i said my knee-jerk reaction is that she left on purpose like she Mm -hmm. she made herself missing on purpose but it's incredibly difficult it is incredibly difficult also to disappear to be famous she wanted to be a famous actress a movie star and when you want to be famous you're not just gonna make yourself go away well and if you if you truly want to disappear there is I mean it was easier a, back then a lot of people, yeah but you literally you can have no contact with your family mm-hmm. absolutely no contact with your friends ever again forever like and I mean the way that she was acting and the things that she was doing yeah. I don't think that would be the issue yeah it would I think it would be the wanting to be famous mm-hmm. um and being with people that were well known was probably a high for her and it was probably her idea of getting in right. to Hollywood, right. which we all know how that works out. It yeah. doesn't. <laughs> so, yeah, wow. I mean, that's Jean Spangler. She's never been heard from again. And like I said, her family refuses to talk about her, especially her daughter. Yeah. Her daughter won't mention her whatsoever. Really? She lived out the rest of her uh, childhood with her father mm-hmm. and his new family. Um, wow. I think probably 
the stigma of having a mother that goes missing who was also considered kind of a loose woman yeah <laughs> was probably not something enjoyable yeah oh, uh, I'm to sure. grow up with i'm sure um, but also i mean i i don't know how i'd feel growing up with a father who was accused of cruelty and abuse either yeah but, but back then i mean that was expected different time <laughs> yeah so yeah that's gene spangler is it a twisty turny <laughs> noir that was filled. super fun and exciting yeah lots of theories on that one that's how yeah. i was like oh yeah. oh left turn right turn yeah, what's right. happening <laughs> well janelle i know that that was great and all but i'd say it was terrific darling it was terrific darling <laughs> but what are you gonna listen to after this episode oh i don't know how about this hello this is margot p and this is Margot D. And we are the Margos. Margos, <laughs> co-hosts of the Book versus Movie podcast. We are the podcast that talks about films that are adapted from books. We read the book, we watch the movie, and then we decide which we like better, the book or the movie. Now I know what you guys are going to say. Duh, the book is always better than the movie. To which we always reply, have you ever read Jaws? Have you read Jaws? <laughs> we are not film experts or literary geniuses. Nope, we're just two friends who like to chat about books and movies. We really like to go for a deep dive into the history of the book and the background of the author and the trivia from the movie set. And most of all, we just like to have fun, so we never take ourselves or the books or movies too seriously. You can find us wherever you sign up for your podcast under the name Book vs. Movie. And on social media, you can find us at Book vs. and Movies. You just spell it all out. Hope you check us out soon. Uh, so, Jill, you said you had some iTunes reviews? Yeah, I got a review. I think you might like this one. Lucky. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> um, yeah, so guys, definitely send us reviews. I will read them aloud. I find them interesting. Even if it's negative, I don't care. We want feedback. We want to improve the pod. We want to yes. make it better for you. Yes. Um, we want to know what you want to hear, yeah. what you don't want to hear. Right. So I have one um, that I'm going to read. Okay. It is by In Union, <laughs> and they titled it, Hidden gem. <laughs> oh, <geez>. um, <laughs> I have listened from the start, and they only get better. These ladies take their work seriously, but have fun doing it. I have learned and laughed. Keep it up. Now, I'm awesome. just going to say that that's I'm pretty sure this is Vicky's mom. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's too. But that's um, fine. But that's so okay. Good. You know what? A review is a review. It is. A positive one's even and better. to be fair, she does really like the show. I know. I mean, not just because it's She's like She's like our number two like, fan. She does really like Next the show. Next to Jillian. Next to Jillian. Yeah, of course. <laughs> what up, girl? Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. So those are iTunes review. Please send us in a review. Um, if you happen to leave one on a different uh, podcast platform, just screenshot it, send us an email, whatever you want to do to get it to us. We'll read it out loud. Yeah. Yeah. Hit up our soch, man. Our social yeah. mead. <laughs> um, speaking of social, where can they find us? Like everywhere. Yeah. So we are on Facebook, uh, The Bad Taste Crime Cast. We're on Instagram, The Bad Taste Crime yeah. Cast. Yeah. We are on Twitter, at BT Crime Cast. Yes, this only one's different. <laughs> yes. Um, if you have episode suggestions or questions or mm-hmm. comments, comments, concerns. whatever, <laughs> you can also send those to the Bad Taste Crime Cast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to support the show, we do need support. Yes. Yeah. Emotionally. This is an physically. independently produced pro- <laughs> podcast. 
anything that we do, we do on our own. Yeah. Um, this is a learning experience. Yes. If ever there was one. <laughs> so if you would like to become a recurring donor, you can visit our Patreon page at the Bad Taste Crime Cast. Mm-hmm. Um, we do a lot of interesting... You know, yeah, I always, I still think this is amazing. Recording. But Janelle did a tw- uh, twenty-five days of Christmas, or did you do all all thirty? Well, two of the days got messed up, oh. and I they I had to re-record them. Oh no! Um, so that was fun. Yes. Um, for some reason, Patreon exploded. Oh yeah, I did see that. Yeah. Um, so I had to be like, JK, I have to re-record these. Mm-hmm. Um, it was an issue, yes. but I fixed it. Yeah. So last month, Janelle did one BT bite for every day in December. Ugh, um, me. That was yeah. That was uh, never again. All her. That was all her. Never again. Next year. No. No. Um, but It'll yeah, be like we, the 12 days of Christmas, now the 25. What the fuck was I thinking? I was uh, like, I could do this. I love murder. Like, no. 25 days in a row. Oh, God. Um, that doesn't depress you before the holidays. Nothing will. But we've got tons of great content up there, all of which yes. you can get access to if you want to donate on Patreon. Yeah, you can listen to all the backlog issues. Yes. Uh, y- you just have to donate $1 and you yeah. get access to everything. And it's pretty great. Um, occasionally, we'll put some stuff up there where you don't have to be a member, just so you can kind of come over and see Patreon, get a yeah. feel for it, check it out. Yeah. So... Um. Yes. Yeah. Also, <laughs> if you don't want to be a recurring donor and you just want to throw some change our way, you can. Um, I'll shake a cup at you. Via your change. <laughs> via our PayPal, the bad taste crime cast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Um, what else do we got? Oh, merch. If you haven't checked, checked out our merch yet, we yes. just had somebody send us a picture of their bad taste crime cast shirt. It was great. It was amazing. Um, seeing it in actual I printed know, form is weird. Like, <sighs> I still haven't gotten my shirt yet. I need to. I want to get like a tote bag or something. Yeah. But then I'm like, am yeah. I going to be that person repping my own body? Yeah, I will. I, I will be that person. <laughs> like, where'd you get that I wanna merch? See, I want to see well, my name on a t-shirt. You. Exactly. I on really want to get a spinster's bag because a, it's like, yes. that embodies me. Oh my God, that's so true. Yeah. So we got tons of great merch up there. Go and check it out. There's something for everybody. Yes. Um, yeah. I, I mean, think that's it. Yeah. I want to say a special thank you to George E. again for suggesting this episode. He actually mm-hmm. sent us the case of Brandon Lawson. So thank you, George. Yes, we do take suggestions. This Proof. does happen. <laughs> yeah, this does happen. Um, and then finally, to finish up, uh, I want to give a special thanks to Tiff Weech, who does our sound and editing. Yes, especially thank you for filling in last week when oh, yeah. I was literally Did dying. You know how sad she was. She, she was sounded like, I don't like, want to do it, but I want to do it. But I, but don't I bet do you it. there's going to be people like, we want more Tiff. Yeah, right. So prepare give yourself. Us Tiff. <laughs> give us Tiff. <laughs> She's not going to come, to come, come running the in door. here. It's not going to happen. <laughs> okay. Um, there we go. <laughs> oh, oh, she gave us a... She's like, gave hell, us a, hell to the no She gave now. us the peak face. <laughs> um, so special thank you to Tiff for helping me out. That was really fun, actually, to have her yeah. come on for a little bit. Um, but she likes she, it. She, every <laughs> single week puts up with our bullshit and oh, does yeah. our sound. There's a lot of bullshit all up in her house. <laughs> our music is by Jason Zakchevsky, The Enigma. <laughs> 
I don't. Insert I don't. Burr, burr, burr here. Burr, burr, burr. Yeah, I don't. I. We'll put that in post. Post it in. The thing is, is I had to get a new phone Ew. to replace because my vibrate function stopped on my other one for whatever reason. Were you know. using it too much? No. That's gross. Also, <laughs> gross. Um, so anyway, I don't know what happened to the app that had my like hip hop air horn on it. Oh, well, it you know like, what? We can find another we'll find one. It, yeah. Don't worry. We'll get it one of these days. Mm-hmm. Um, so thanks, guys. And we will see you in two weeks. Yay! Goodbye. Bye! Women have left their bodies on the hillsides along the highway. It was as if a wave of evil washed over this town. We are all.